3, verses 19 through 24. Lamentations chapter 3, 19 through 24 says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, like I said, the book of Lamentations, special book in the Bible. It's the only book in Scripture that consists solely of laments or poems that express grief or sorrow, often towards God. And where we're reading at, right here in the middle of the book of laments, that's where we find our passage. And because we're in the middle of the book of Lamentations, or of the whole lament as a whole, you could say, we find Scripture at one of its darkest moments. But at the darkest point imaginable, Scripture begins to focus here on the one thing that all of us, too, can cling to when things get very, very ugly, even in our own lives. We find ourselves in the middle of lamenting. Right at the darkest moment, Lamentations turns its attention to none other than the very goodness of God and the Lord's compassions. The only thing that remains good when everything else is crashing in. And then God himself, God reveals his glorious goodness to us. So that will be the focus of what we are talking about this morning. It's the focus of the passage, how God reveals himself to us in the darkest moments. Okay, well, to start us off here in verses 19 and 20, I have to ask, why are we reading these sad things? My soul is downcast, verse 20. We know it's a lament, but what's the context? Well, in context, we're actually reading about the despair of when the historical city of Jerusalem lost, quote, all of the treasures that were hers in days of old when her people fell into enemy hands and there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and even laughed at her destruction. This comes from Lamentations chapter 1, verse 7. That's the context of this book. This book, this passage, is about the destruction of Jerusalem, lamenting it, and the destruction of the temple, and the resultant exile of God's people into the enemy country, into Babylon. All this happened around 586 B.C. So this lamenter is a person who is really rightfully lamenting. And I just want to say here, it is okay to lament. It is okay to lament or question God. The Bible is full of it. This is a whole book doing this very thing. Oftentimes, many of us may think it's wrong to sort of question God, but in fact, the Bible actually encourages it because, well, all truth comes from God. And if we seek God with all our hearts, we will find God because of God. Read more about that in Jeremiah 29, 13, a very famous verse. But why? Why, does, why? why is that the case? Well, like our passage says, because God's compassions never fail. Okay, <clears throat> so that's a bit about the context. Lamentations is sad because the people of God lost everything. 
essentially that there is to lose. So now what I want to do is share a story. With this story, my hope is to communicate what we've been talking about so far and all of this, how God breaks through for us even in times of great tragedy and really reveals the gospel um, and his goodness to us. It's a story about a man who had won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1970 for essentially his Christian writings. Well, he's somebody that should be important to us. And these Christian writings later influenced and touched many, many people. As we will see, these writings were the result of his lament and questioning God, his, his searching for God. And when God revealed himself in deep ways to this man, he, he wrote these things. Now, I've had some previous sermons where we had some fun names. This man's name was Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Alexander Solzhenitsyn. A difficult but fun name for us all to remember. Um, Solzhenitsyn was a Russian novelist, and like I said, he became a Christian. Interesting thing, though, he became a Christian in the Soviet Union at a time when his country was strictly opposed to Christianity. And so this is what he ends up writing about, copiously, the Soviet Union sort of hating his Christianity and that topic in general. Well, as a young man, Solzhenitsyn witnessed terrible war crimes in the fight against Nazi Germany. He was a, a captain in the Soviet army fighting with the Allies in Germany. And what he saw there, what he could not stop, the war crimes that he witnessed, forever darkened him. Uh, these were crimes committed against innocent German people and they were crimes committed by his own comrades, uh, not by the Nazi enemy, but by his own comrades. And uh, actually, the crimes are so disgusting that I really cannot speak them from this pulpit. But because of this, God began to wake up Solzhenitsyn, kind of began to wake him up to the evil of this world, and, well, he began to criticize the Soviets for their anti-Christian policies. So in 1945, after the war, Solzhenitsyn paid the price. He was unfairly imprisoned in a forced labor camp where he was obviously forced to work as a miner and a bricklayer for over eight years. And even after this, he was subsequently exiled with a lifelong sentence uh, close to the border of Russia, all because of his protesting on Christian moral issues or grounds. Solzhenitsyn's life was crashing down. So here he was, in exile, almost like God's people of old in our book of Lamentations. And this is where he too lamented. His soul became uh, deeply and utterly transformed, actually, by God uh, in this lament. Because he sought God, of course God enabled him to do so, and he found God because of God. This is what Solzhenitsyn would later say about everything that transpired and his life's struggle and journey and the revolution in his country, Russia, um, after he would go on to change the lives and win the Nobel Peace Prize for his writings. This is what he said. Quote, While I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of old people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that had befallen. The elders would often say, Men have forgotten God, and that's why all this has happened. Since then, I've spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of our Russian Revolution, 
In the process, I've read hundreds of books, collected hundreds of personal testimonies, and have already contributed eight volumes of my own toward the effort of clearing away the rubble. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of our ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, repeat, 60 million killed by anti-Christian Soviet Union. I could not put it more accurately than to repeat. Men have forgotten God, and that's why all this has happened. End quote. When people forget God and the world crashes down, they ask a question. What if we all did what Solzhenitsyn does? What if we all did what the Lamenter does in our passage this morning? What if we sincerely and directly lamented to God, questioning Him? What if we, seeking God in our despair, question Him? And what if God breaks through during that time and reveals His goodness to us, and then He changes us forever? And then we, in turn, change many more. The light of Christ shining through our lives. This is what happened to Alexander. Well, this is what we find in our passage. If we look at verse 21 of our passage, and this is really why we should all read Lamentations more. Verse 21, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In a world where God seems forgotten because everything is going wrong, the author of Lamentations looks to the Lord. He remembers the Lord and God reveals his goodness. The fact that God's compassions never fail. And this is extremely powerful. It is the most powerful book, um, the most powerful moment, rather, in the book of Lamentations. And I want to say this now. This will also be the most powerful moment in your own life, in my own life, in all of our lives. When we put God first, despite of or because of terrible things, terrible tragedies, or situations in our lives, and God breaks through during that moment or because of that moment... This will be the most powerful moment of our lives. Expanding on this a little bit. Oftentimes there's a question here during the lament. The question is, how can God exist if evil or if terrible behavior happens in our world? You know, how can God exist if human beings are allowed to do truly Terrible things. God must be evil if God lets all this happen, right? You've probably heard some of this. These are the kind of things, well, these are the kind of things we should be asking, right? Like Solzhenitsyn, like the book of Lamentations shows us that we should be. We should all be questioning God, meaning seeking God during times of despair in our lives because God's compassions never fail. And, um, you know, actually, I found this in the gospel, believe it or not. In the gospel, we find Jesus, the Son of God himself, saying these words. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mark 15, 34. Yet not my will, Jesus prays in Gethsemane, but yours be done in Luke 22. So we learn that through these kind of questions, the point of lament is to grow closer to God in our questioning because God reveals more of himself to us. When we seek out God as even he enables us to do, and he does enable us, he encourages it quite often. So will God and the gospel begin to break forth, you know, like we see in our passage, this great triumphant declaration. It's the gospel of lamentations. His compassions never fail. So why does evil exist? The big question. And is it the case that God allows evil to happen? Big, big question. In other words, why is there a lament to begin with in which God can reveal himself deeply? God's word is quick to answer us on the question of evil. The answer is that God is holy and God is love. God cannot sin or cause sin or evil. And um, on this point, some theologians, by the way, are mistaken. They're wrong when they try to make God the sort of sovereign cause of sin. Why are they wrong? Because God cannot be a sinner or one who causes sin because God cannot be sinful. That's what he fixes. What people have done to other people, things in this world, what bad things people have done to you in your life, and if it, haven't, if it hasn't happened yet, it will, uh, these, are things, these are things done to people by other people. They're not things done by God. This is why we grow closer to God in lament for what people or death in the world causes because of sin. All people have sinned, says the Bible, Romans 3.23, and death came through sin, Romans 5.12. Death and sin are not from God, but from people human beings. And this is actually, by the way, why Jesus, the Word of God, had to become flesh in order to condemn sin in the human being. And we'll get more to that later. I want to continue this train of thought, if you'll let me. What about God allowing evil to happen? I'm sure you've heard this as a complaint. Maybe you thought it yourself. This is certainly something we should think about, something we should question again in our lament so that God can work on us deeply in our hearts. Well, I just said it right there. I can tell you about it from up here, but um, you won't really know this, know the truth of God's word until God works it in your heart. But God does not just let evil happen. That's what his word says. And God does not just let bad accidents happen either. Every single second, nanosecond by nanosecond, God is doing everything to prevent evil from happening. How do we know? Well, it's in God's Word. Let's look in Lamentations, our book this morning. Chapter 3, a couple verses later, in verse 33, this is a gem from the book of Lamentations and why we should all read it more. God, quote, does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 33. It's so good, I want to read it again. Lamentations 3, 3, 3. God does not willingly 
bring affliction or grief to anyone. And there's way more verses like this in the Bible, by the way. Next book, Ezekiel 33.11, God says, As surely as I live, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. No pleasure, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. The point is that God takes no pleasure at any death, not even the wicked. 2 Peter 3.9 similarly says, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. All throughout Scripture, there's just way too much for us to not know that God is doing everything to stop evil. Nanosecond by nanosecond. Then why does evil still happen? And again, these kind of questions, these are lament questions. They're questions that I can answer that we can read about, but that only God can reveal himself deeply to each one of us so that we understand it truly in our hearts. But let's look at our passage. We will find answers in God's word. Our passage says, great is your faithfulness, verse 23. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Many of us know, I think we played it during our, uh, our offering time. Many of us know that great is thy faithfulness, is a hymn that we often sing here as well. It is a hymn based on this very verse here in Lamentations, a little bit of trivia. Uh, Thomas Chisholm, or Chisholm, not sure how to pronounce it, from Baldwin, Kansas, believe it or not, (laughs) nearby here, he wrote Great is Thy Faithfulness as a testament to God in 1923. Chisholm was a sickly man his whole life, which prevented him from doing anything, really, sadly, Um, And though he had every reason to be bitter over a lifetime with a crippling disease, morning by morning, he was still overwhelmed by God's love and graciousness to him, which inspired him to write the song we know today, Great is Thy Faithfulness, from the Book of Lamentations. So the question is, is it the case that God allowed these bad things to happen to the writer of the hymn, Chisholm? or Alexander Solzhenitsyn, or to the author of Lamentations? And the answer is, again, something that God must work in your hearts. As we look in the Word, we can find that we live in a complex world where we cannot possibly understand everything. We learn that there is an interplay, things much bigger than us, between God, good and evil, sin, salvation, Heaven and earth, the Spirit living in me, the Son of God made flesh, raising from the dead. These are all things that are way too complex for us human beings to ever understand. How can I explain to you God's Spirit living in me? This is essentially the answer that God gives in Job, to Job, at the end of the book of Job, chapter 38 and following. We live in a complex reality. Things are not simple. There is a God whose ways are far above our ways and thoughts far above our thoughts. But when we feel completely forsaken by God and everything evil and terrible has happened to us, listen to the same words of Jesus himself. Jesus himself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Words from the cross. And yet, the gospel Great is thy faithfulness. Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus answers the question. And Jesus says, death does not have the last thing 
anymore. Jesus is the answer to the question, to the lament, because terrible things happen to him, God himself, in the flesh. And yet, by the power of God, he was raised from the dead to end the cycle of death, to defeat this death, and to pay and to guarantee with the Holy Spirit for you and I that, yes, we will do the very same thing through him. And not just only at death, by the way, but right now, because the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us, as Romans 8, 11. It's the Spirit of the risen Lamb, the risen Christ. And the Spirit and power of God raising Jesus from the dead, this is the message of the gospel, the gospel of lamentations. The ultimate realization of when, in the middle of the greatest lament and tragedy in the history of humanity, crucifixion, when it appears that Satan, sin, and death have defeated God himself on the cross. God breaks through. And Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. And I want to end this morning on this good note. Not a note of lament, but of an amen. This is the message of our passage. God drives out the darkness. He drives out the darkness in our lives. God stops it. God puts an end to it. God's love drives out fear, drives out depression, sinfulness, death, you name it. And God makes beautiful his love in the middle of the lament. And whatever you're in the middle of, even in your own life this morning, saved or not saved, God can break forth. It's the promise of the cross and of the resurrection. Why? Because his compassions never fail. And he wants more of you, more and more of you. And if you are questioning God, what do I want to say? What does God's word say? Good. Don't give up. The enemy wants to keep you from God, but God defeated that enemy way back at the cross. Christ was raised. We too will raise. We will overcome all the evil that's happened to us. Let's pray this morning. Father God, thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. Thank you that our hope is for more than just this life where bad things do happen. Thank you that, yes, we can take heart because you have overcome. Thank you, Lord, that you paid the price for us, that you defeated death, that you are Christus Victor. By Christ's victory, we too can overcome. It's a promise we cling to that we don't have to live our lives, even right now, uh, in the spirit of timidity, in the spirit of depression, in the spirit that only focuses on the bad things or what our heart is telling us to do, weighing us down, telling us all sorts of things. Lord, thank you that you enable us to listen and choose the voice of truth the truth of the resurrection, the truth that God overcomes death. Death has been defeated, and we too will raise. We will raise up from whatever it is that has happened to us in our past, that we're struggling with now, that's 
our daily grind, whatever it may be that is just fighting us, Lord, the enemy trying to keep us from the truth of the world, the truth of your love and the sacrifice of Christ. We thank you, God, that we too will overcome. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill us with the resurrection life of Christ, even now, the power of the resurrection, the power that overcame, that overcomes death, despair, depression, and sin, Lord. These things are done. These things are defeated. Fill us up with this spirit, Lord, and may we just trample on snakes and scorpions, Lord. May we go out in your power and live repentant lives full of love, the vibrancy of your love, God, the light of Christ shining through us, and may we transform a world in need, a world broken in need of you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Closing hymn is number one.